Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Film Daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, April 16th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler discussion about The Falcon in the Winter Soldier, Episode 5, Truth. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Uh, Jake can't can't be here this week. He's out on vacation. So it's just going to be us two chatting about this episode. Uh, before we get into this, this episode, as you know, every week on this podcast, we do it in the format of we go to reader feedback with your your speculations, your theories, and then we go into our brief reactions, and then we break out down the whole episode beat by beat, and then we go into speculation. So... So first, we're going to start things off with the reader feedback. If you want to send your own, like, you know, what you think. Well, I guess, you know, next week's the, the finale episode. So I'm not sure if we're going we're gonna to get to your, your questions, comments, concerns, speculation. But if you have anything to send us, send it to Peter at SlashFilm.com. That's Peter at SlashFilm.com. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, after last week, I think everybody's asking who is the power broker we got a couple emails with some crazy long shot theories here. Jim from Pasadena wrote in that he thinks the power broker could possibly be Emil Blonsky as portrayed by Tim Roth. This is the character from the Edward Norton Hulk movie. He says, uh, you know, that they made you want to rewatch Dark World with Endgame and they made you want to rewatch Age of Ultron with WandaVision. Now in the ultimate made you want to rewatch the totally canonical Norden Hulk movie. I mean, if it could be Thunderbolt Ross, then it could be Blonsky. What, what do you think, Brad? What's the chances that t- uh, that Tim Roth is going to be the power broker? Uh, <laughs> slim and none. I mean, uh, sure, sure, we know Abomination is coming back in She-Hulk, but uh, I feel like the jump from um his involvement in that series to being suddenly appearing in this one is seems like quite a bit of a stretch yeah well the next one is another small character from an early marvel movie brian from washington state writes in 
with his best guess for the power broker, given all the clues they've dropped in the description of his capabilities, Brian says it could be Justin Hammer. He's already been known to deal in the black market. He has the resources and has exhibited post or past behaviors similar to the power broker. Maybe he was blipped and came back to no prison guards. So, <laughs> Brad, what do you think the chances are? Justin Hammer. Who was who that? That was um, Sam. Sam Rockwell's character from Iron Man 2. Um, yeah. Again, I think chances are slim to none. But, man, if there were ever a character who I would love to see <laughs> make a comeback in this way, it would be Justin Hammer. Because that would be cool as hell. If... I do feel like at some point they're going to bring him back. They're, like it, It's ripe. I mean, I know Iron Man 2 is not a good movie, but th- that's what they're doing with a lot of these Marvel things. Like, I I do feel like WandaVision and some of the other stuff is trying to, like, elevate the lesser, like, you know, the Age of Ultrons and stuff like that. And I, I do think that... <laughs> I think it's I, fun to bring back any comic character who is not yeah. dead and do something fun with them. I mean, that's the, the comics do that even with characters who are dead, and so... If you leave a character alive and it's open-ended for something new to happen with them, then, you know, more power to him. Plus, he just had such a fun performance. It's always good to see Sam in anything. So Yeah. Okay. That was all for the emails this week. Again, you can write me at peter at slashfilm.com. I can promise you we will read it. Can't promise you it will be read on the air. But uh, there you go. Okay. Uh, Brief thoughts on this episode. This episode is titled Truth. It is the first episode. Over one hour long episode, I think, on Disney Plus from their original series, period. It um is it's a solid episode. I I I do want to say that it does seem like some uh, I'm getting the sense the fans feel that it was maybe overhyped a little bit. Like the the showrunner Spellman, uh he was saying how people would cry this episode. He was saying how there's going to be this big appearance by this character from Marvel uh, Marvel Universe. And I I think people were, when people hear that stuff, and especially comic book fans, I think they, you know, it ends up, they they end up shooting way higher than where even the the showrunner is actually trying to place the, the bar. So, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, there's a great surprise appearance in here from Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and I'm curious what her role will mean for the series and the rest of the MCU, and uh, this, this thing, I just want to see, I just want to see the end of this. This is the first episode, I know some people have complained that this season of television feels like it is a movie uh spread out over a season of television and that hurts it. And I, I have not felt that personally. We had this great article from Josh on our site. I'll link it in the show notes uh, complaining about that. But I do feel like this episode does feel like it's, you know, it's, it's leading up to the final act. And I, I don't feel like it was a full story. If that makes sense. Uh, Brad, what are your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I um I really enjoyed this episode for a variety of reasons, but th- this was yeah the episode where I really felt like, uh, okay, so this is the you know the part of the movie just before the end of the of uh, the or the beginning of the third act, you know, and it, it's while it does have the traits of like the penultimate episode of a TV season as well, it um it really did feel like something that belonged uh in a movie, and, and like like you said, it doesn't quite feel like it has a beginning you know, middle and end for this episode because it, it starts, I, I was surprised by just how quickly it jumped into that confrontation with John Walker. I was expecting that to be uh, later in this episode or even in the, in the final uh, episode, but they just get it out of the way. And then they take so much time, uh, which, which I really appreciated digging into these nicer, smaller character moments between Bucky and Sam uh, at Sam's sister, Sarah, and I, I liked a lot of those details. And I uh, Walker with his wife, Walker with the family of uh, the fallen. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah a lot exactly. of those kind of moments. Exactly. Um, and so I, I appreciated that this episode took the time to slow down because usually, when you have the penultimate episode of a TV season, there's tons of setup for the finale. And while there is some setup for the finale at the very end of this episode, Marvel spent a lot of time just kind of casually doing character building and fleshing out arcs and doing stuff that was just 
nice little character moments. And I think that, that that's what I appreciate the most about this episode. Yeah. But at the same time, it feels like the training montage before the third act battle. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The training montage right there. Yeah. It was absolutely a, a rocky kind of montage. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that we both like it. It's just, you know, it's not the the most solid episode of the series so far. Okay. Um, let's get into the breakdown. So this episode starts as what you said. John Walker is in the middle of a breakdown when Sam and Bucky try to convince him to surrender. And this results in this two-on-one fight. It's very hard-hitting. Walker yelling, why are you making me do this? Uh, it becomes this battle over the shield between Sam and John. And John ends up ripping Falcon's wings off using his super strength, which is something I wasn't expecting to happen. Um my my first thought when I was watching this, Brad, was who is going to fix this? You know, Stark isn't around anymore. Maybe we get the answer to this later in the show. What do you think? Oh, yeah, we absolutely get the answer to this later later in the show. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was a cool moment for sure of just having Walker be completely unhinged and just absolutely going for the jugular with both Bucky and, and Sam, you know, from whether from ripping the rings off to um, him getting ready to, you know, kill Sam with the shield. And just the way he was fighting was desperate and crazy. And he's, he's clearly lost it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sam uses the red wing on his back to give him the leverage to rip the shield away from Walker. They all get laid out and Bucky picks up the shield, a shield that was never offered to him by Steve before throwing it down on the ground next to Sam and walking away. Um, it was kind of a good moment. I like that moment. Yeah. Uh, we learned that the GRC has been raiding these camps, but can't find Carly. And the new Captain America killing in public has become an international incident that is taking the fight out of the hands of Bucky and Sam. Torres looks at Falcon's ripped. Uh, what would you call torn off wing? It's not decapitated because that's like a head. I don't, I don't even know what you'd say, what the word is for that, but ripped off wings and he doesn't know how to fix them. Sam leaves with the shield and tells him to keep the wings. My first thought here is Torres in the comics actually becomes Falcon when Sam becomes Captain America. Yeah, I think that's a that's a nice little moment there. Whether it's something that, you know, actually comes to fruition, you know, is yeah. remains to be seen. But it's I think that's a cool little touch there if, if that's what they're leaning towards yeah do you think we'll actually see in the last episode of this season the series torres with the wings i don't know about that I, if anything i feel like maybe that's something they'll save i i feel like that this is a this is a, a show where i think that they they'll probably need to do a second season i feel like that they were planning on they're planning on doing a second season and i think that if anything they'll they'll um, bring him back in as falcon next season after sam has presumably taken up the mantle of captain america yeah. Yeah, second season will be called Captain America and the Winter Soldier, and then the third season will be called Captain America and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but, okay. uh, John Walker has been stripped of his title, and he isn't being court-martialed because of his past service. He's given a less-than-honorable discharge, and Walker's not happy about this, about this decision. I'm, I'm surprised he's not being, like, tried for murder. I don't know. It's... I don't know. Maybe... I don't know. He, <laughs> maybe there's something to be said about white privilege there. Uh, Walker has a heart to heart with his wife who offers some advice as to where he should go next. But I, she seems well-meaning. I don't know what she, she has only had two appearances on the show so far. I think the first episode in this, but I, I don't I feel like she's sending him the wrong direction. I mean, we find out later in this episode that he was definitely in the wrong direction. But um, the next scene is where we get the big appearance. This is something that has been uh, hyped up uh, by Malcolm Spellman, uh, the showrunner of this series. He said that a big Marvel character would appear in episode five of this series, that he would like to see this character in a movie with the Hulk or something? I think it was I, I think it was Thor, wasn't it? Or was it Thor? I, I don't remember. But I, I think that led many fans to believe that this was going to be like some big name comic uh, person. Last week on this podcast, I said not to expect that. So I hope I managed your expectations good. But I also said, I also did some hyping of my own. I said that it was an award-winning uh, actor 
and it is an award-winning actor. It, 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 she has won Emmys, more than one Emmy. I yeah. think she's at least Mul- won one Emmy. Yeah, multiple Emmys. Yeah, uh, it, she's you know for her, she's was a star of Veep. She was in Seinfeld, and we're of course talking about Julia Louise Dreyfus, and uh, she's playing Valentina Allegra di Fontaine. Contessa, Contessa Valentina. Contessa, okay. I don't know. Okay, long name, whatever. We're gonna call her <laughs> Valentina. Is basically what we're gonna call him, call her. Uh, what did you think of her appearance in the show? Um, I mean, it's a nice tease for I assume what's going to be a bigger part, whether it's just in this series or in the Marvel Cinematic Universe overall. Um, it's she's kind of given a a Nick Fury esque entrance in the same way that Samuel Jackson appeared in the credit scene of Iron Man uh, coming to recruit John Walker for something, uh, presumably something nefarious. I can't imagine that this is a good guy character. Um, Valentina's history in Marvel Comics is uh, one that is tied to Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, she has she had a romance with Nick Fury. Uh, she worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. for a long time. She has, uh, there's an, an arc involving the character in Secret Invasion where she's taken over by a scroll and betrays Nick Fury. Then there's also a comics book storyline where she um, is revealed to be a Russian operative who has infiltrated shield um she's part of another group called leviathan leviathan and she betrays nick fury there uh as well and so um one of the things we learned today uh after she appeared in this episode is that this character was apparently meant to appear in black widow uh in a another i assume cameo appearance um but since the timeline got messed up because of covid uh, we don't get to see her there first, and we're n- we're not actually sure if we'll still see her in Black Widow or not. I'm not sure if they're going to still have her in that movie or if that mo- scene was intended to be her introduction. And now that they've introduced her here, they don't need to have her in Black Widow. But it could be interesting if they use some of her Marvel history to inform uh, what happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because since one of her arcs had her as a, a former or as a Russian operative. Maybe she's one of several, you know, uh, people who were alongside Natasha Romanoff uh, being trained as an assassin. Um, maybe she has a history with Natasha and her uh, makeshift family um, that we'll see in Black Widow. I think whatever role she has, it's safe to say that she'll have a bigger part in what's to come uh, in the the MCU. And uh, yeah, I don't know, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it definitely seems like too big of a role to just be in you know, the final two episodes of the season. But, um, and you mentioned the Black Widow thing. That came from a Vanity Fair piece, I think. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, and I think they did not confirm it. They kind of speculated or said it was a rumor. I've heard conflicting things. I've heard that, yes, she's in it. I've also heard that, no, she isn't in it. So it's also possible what you said, that originally Black Widow was supposed to come out before Falcon and Winter Soldier, so maybe there was an introduction in there that now is cut. So who knows? That's good what I'm saying. Um, but it her appearance doesn't seem like one of those things that non-hardcore Marvel fans would even pick up on in terms of like who she's playing. Like it's not a character that like uh passive Marvel fans would recognize. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. It's a, it's she's a pretty deep cut. Yeah, and she also has a history with Hydra, right? Like she, had, well, one of her roles was she was like Madam Hydra or something. She started her career at Shield and flipped to Hydra. Or, yeah, know, some of my research brought me to that. Yes, that's true. And she's also she's overseen various terrorist organizations. Apparently, at some point, she was in control of Madripoor, which is also another interesting link to this series. Um, so th- there's also the possibility. Uh, I I wonder if she could very well be the power broker if that's a thing. Um, but who knows? Uh, I bring up the Hydra thing because, you know, we have Zemo in this series. We've mentioned Hydra. Obviously winter soldier is uh, Bucky is trying to get over his past uh, with Hydra and stuff like that. So do you think that Hydra is rising again? Could it, could it be possible? Uh, I, don't 
no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, if anything, I feel like maybe there could be the introduction of a different, uh, you know, secret organization. There's plenty of them to pick from from Marvel Comics history. There was also something interesting in that uh, that Vanity Fair article on it. I don't know if this is like a theory from fans that has been surfacing or if there's rumors about this out there that um, Marvel might secretly be trying to put together an assembly of Thunderbolts. Uh, And Thunderbolts is a superhero team that is comprised of mostly reformed supervillains. They they come to they rise in fame after the Avengers are believed to be dead in a comic run in the 90s. And then Baron Zemo actually reveals that they're the masters of evil in disguise uh, and it like jeopardizes their appearance as superheroes. And then they, um, he, he was effectively their, their leader. And so then they turn against him in an effort to, you know, live up to the, this new image that they have of being superheroes. Um, but considering the path that John Walker is on and how nefarious it seems like Valentina is in the scene that she appears in. I don't think she's assembling a team of villains to do some good, like a Marvel version of Suicide Squad. I think that it's more likely that she's trying to assemble a team of just villainous people who can probably help her in some way. Yeah, and it looks like she wants something with Walker because she tells Walker that she would have killed him too, and uh, she knows that Walker took the serum and says that he's valuable to certain people. What certain people? I guess maybe the power broker. What other certain people? I mean, that's the that's the thing is it, maybe it could be anybody depending on exactly what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, she tells him not to worry about the shield because the government wanted him to return the shield and he doesn't have it uh, because it doesn't really belong to the government anyways. And gives him a business card. And this is a business card that's like half white and half black. I mentioned the colors because there's definitely uh, delving into some racism and racial politics and stuff like that. Social, social politics in this show uh, does what and it doesn't say a name on it. It's a business card without a name, address or phone number. So what's what is the deal with this card, Brad? Part of me wonders if it was just like a little bit of a gag of like, he she handed this to Walker's wife to kind of keep her occupied and like here like here like this this as like pretending like this will explain who she is when she asks uh, that question and then it's, then it's there's actually nothing that's on it so I don't know wow. I feel like it's gonna come back I feel like it's gonna be one of those remember when you were a kid and you would you learned how to make a secret note using like lemon juice yeah and then like you'd put it on like under heat and then like it, the ink would show up. Maybe something like that. I don't know. Or maybe it's a tracker. Maybe it's a way for her to track. I don't know. Maybe it is just a joke. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just a joke. But okay. Uh, let's move on from that. Carly returns to one of the raided camps with her crew. She's very upset. She doesn't believe they will stop unless uh, the the flag smashers make them. And that's it's time to do that, she says. Bucky finds Zemo at the Sokovian Memorial that Zemo mentioned in episode three. Brad, you fought me on this. You yeah, said let me not. let me take the role of, of Peter Sred in this episode and be like, <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> so did did Zemo want Bucky to meet him there? Because it seems like there's no reason for him to be there and have mentioned it earlier other than for it to be a meeting point, right? Yeah, and at the same, I mean, and I, I, I don't know. This the scene was interesting to me because I like the level of respect and acknowledgement of each other's desires and place in the world in the aftermath of what happened in Winter Soldier and Civil War. But it seems weird for like for Zemo to like I don't know willingly be taken into custody like this. If like he went there, he knew Bucky would meet him there, kind of thing. And maybe it was just like one final test to see if Bucky you know, had really shed like that vicious side of the winter soldier and, you know, and, and Bucky seemed to know that as well by, you know, tricking him into thinking that he was going to shoot him and then having the gun, not have any bullets in it whatsoever. Um, and so it, in one way, I, I think it's, it's an interesting one last, you know, confrontation, you know, of, of these two minds. Um, but then, you know, it would go back to this thing of how you, leaving, a character alive um 
especially a character like Zemo and having him taken uh, into custody by Wakanda and uh, to be imprisoned on the raft. I I can't imagine this is the last we'll see of Zemo. Yeah. And you mentioned the raft. That's where he's going. This is a underwater prison we saw in Captain America Civil War, and it was overseen by General Ross, who you mentioned earlier. Um, I, I didn't tell you to mention him earlier, but great setup there. I actually think uh, I think you were the one who mentioned him earlier. I thought you mentioned him with um. Okay, maybe I did. I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, in uh in Civil War, Falcon, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, and Ant Man were captured by Iron Man's team and placed there, and later rescued by Captain America. Um, so this is a place where they they keep super powered individuals and the reason why i wanted to emphasize ross is because a lot of marvel fans and insiders seem to believe that marvel is heading towards the thunderbolts like this is a team started by ross and he recruits zemo to be part of this team so if zemo is in the raft which is overseen by general ross then maybe we're headed there are we headed there i mean it's it's certainly not a realm of possibility i mean uh i i'm not sure the, the only the only hesitation is that <laughs> m- most of the characters who are in thunderbolts are characters we haven't seen in the marvel cinematic universe so far and i'm not yeah. sure that there are many characters in the marvel cinematic universe to form that kind of team um well, I think this is a long setup. Do you know what I mean this isn't something we're going to see soon? Yeah, I mean maybe I guess, and I if if that's the goal, then maybe we'll start seeing some more minor villains popping up in the you know the TV shows that are coming up from Marvel Studios on Disney Plus, like you know Hawkeye and She Hulk and Miss Marvel and all that. So I mean, there's there's the because the the other long uh, setup that we're people are talking about is young Avengers. So maybe we're leading up to some kind of small TV, you know, mashup of young Avengers versus Thunderbolts, um, you know, or or something like that. Who knows? In the next scene, Sam goes to the home of Isaiah Bradley. We see his son again, which I still think is not, is a setup for young Avengers or something. Anyways, uh, (laughs) not going to die on that sword. And we learn more about Isaiah's backstory, the experiments that were done on him in the military uh, how he saved his squadron from being murdered in a government cover-up and how the government kept him from his wife and experimented on him for over 30 years, trying to figure out why the serum worked on him and him alone, uh, you know, aside from uh, Steve Rogers. You know, this is I think this is the emotional scene that Spellman was talking about. He was saying that people, this was the episode that he was most proud of, that this is the episode that would get people to cry. I do feel for Isaiah Bradley. It didn't hit me in a way where it made me cry, but I, yeah. I definitely recognize the the emotion, the the resonance here as far as how emotional this scene is. And I think that because I, I think that this scene will hit infinitely yeah. harder. We we were also two white guys, exactly. You know, and so like I, I think this scene hits infinitely harder um, for 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 people of color, especially black people. Um, for me, I think the most powerful part of this scene is Isaiah Bradley talking about what Captain America stands for in his eyes. And it's not that Captain America is that Steve Rogers was, uh, actually stood for this, but Captain America has been seen as, as a symbol, much like the shield has. And, yeah. that, and that symbol is a white, blonde, blue-eyed you know, character who is like the epitome of superheroism. And... That, ha- that has come to represent the wrong thing to to some people, much in the same way that there are a lot of things in today's society that, you know, represents what is, you know, history and good and, and you know, and that kind of thing. And uh, especially when it comes to white history and whatnot. And so when he says things like that, he's like that there will never be a black Captain America and anyone, you know, who takes up the shield, you know, would, you know, any, any... It, it, no self-respecting black man would ever want to be. Yeah, exactly. Because in his eyes, Captain America, unfortunately, represents something much worse to him. And it's there's there's there clearly this connection between Captain America and the Shield, 
and the American flag, because even yeah. though the American flag means a lot to a lot of people, it also stands for a lot of heinous things because of the things that America has done to certain people throughout its history. And so it's, you know, um, not to make, I guess, the, a, more, a more topical comparison, but it's why someone like Colin Kaepernick kneels during the national anthem because yeah, because, no, because, totally. because it represents much more than the the positive things that people like to think it stands for yeah no I, I i totally agree and he says that he doesn't believe times are different no duh i mean the new captain america just killed someone in the middle of the square but um and he didn't so go to he, jail for it yeah and he didn't go to jail for it because he's a white guy working for the united states but um, Sam encourages him to tell his story, but he doesn't want to because a nurse took pity on him, wrote up some reports declaring him dead, allowing him to escape. And he he just wants people to he wants to stay dead. He doesn't believe that telling his story will do anything. And I, I get what the scene is supposed to mean in terms of Sam from his emotional arc of his hero's journey of him, you know at the beginning of this series giving away the shield and now he's considering if it's time for him to accept the accept the gift accept the title that Steve gave to him and take up the shield I don't know it, it it's it's a tough like i mean what do you think he must be going through when being told by this this guy that was you know tortured for 30 years experimented on for 30 years saying that no self-respecting black man would ever want to take up the shield it like literally that's what he's thinking about in that moment yeah it's and it's meant to create this complex feeling you know in him as a character and i think that really what will become sam's driving force when he inevitably takes up the mantle as captain america is that he he will want to change what Captain America stands for and what he represents. Because yeah. as much as he does stand for good and that Steve Rogers made Captain America someone to believe in, um, there's still a lot of that symbol that has darkness behind it. And I think that he, he, he will want to change that. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, okay, so Sam weaves with the, quote, white man shield... Goes, goes uh, home to Sarah. Instead of becoming the next Captain America, he's helping with his nephews fix the parents' old fishing boat. And Sam calls in some favors from the people of the community that owe his parents uh, from things over the years. And everyone wants to help. I don't know why he didn't have this uh, epiphany epiphany earlier, but you know, there we go. Uh, wh- what I guess, wh- what is the message here? Was he too? Did he not want to ask for help earlier? I mean, he, it, that's not the message because they went to ask for a loan. D- did he not think that people would be willing to help because of his parents? Um, I think it's more so just about this idea of him coming to rely on his community rather than relying on the government. Um, whether that's the intention or not, I think that that's, a, that's something that is probably a good visual to have in a series like this, because at the end of the day, the, the, the themes of racism and government overlooking and oppressing people of color and things like that are, are prominent here. And because those things do happen in the real world, it's people coming together and helping each other that really, you know, gets the job done, you know, rather than relying on, you know, a system that doesn't care about you. Yeah. Uh, Bucky drops off a package from the Wakandans and offers for help. He meets Sarah. They share kind of a, a flirty moment. Do you think we're going to see a, a romance here? <laughs> I don't know if it'll be really prominent, but I, I just I like the little you know aside where it's it, it creates another bit of playful tension between Sam and Bucky. Yeah, has Bucky already forgotten his girlfriend from the first episode? What the heck? <laughs> Uh, so they do this fixing the boat montage. This episode has a couple montages, at least three. Uh, Sam invites Bucky to stay there, but tells him not to flirt with his sister. Uh, John Walker visits Battlestar's parents and explains that he killed that man to get justice for their son. And their reaction kind of, to me confirms that uh, me for me in, in the show to, to John Walker confirms that he 
is the hero that he thinks he is and he must be in the story i think so i think this was like the 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 wrong road to go down walker walks past a cap his back propaganda poster posted on the outside of a building uh we cut to sharon who offers someone on the phone money double this time to do a job she says it, if it wasn't for her he would be rotting in the algerian prison now uh do you know who that is brad well my other end of the phone i have a guess and who is who do you think well if i i think that this is correct isn't um batrock um yes you're correct okay yeah yeah, so in in the subtitles it actually says that it's Batrock. Uh, Batrock. So, oh, seeing the subtitles always revealing things. Yeah, so it confirms that that's who she's talking about is the guy that we see later in this episode, um, and it also seemingly confirms that she was the one that paid him to kidnap the soldier in the first episode, maybe. But it doesn't quite confirm that she's the power broker. I think. So, um, what do you think she's up to? Paying Batrock to, well, okay, that's a question. You know, we'll get to that question later. We're gonna get, like if, if she's paying Batrock, we, <sighs> yeah, let's get to that later. I'm not gonna discuss that now. We'll, we'll get to the, the point. Okay, so Sam and Bucky practice throwing the shield around, which gives Bucky an opportunity to apologize to Sam. He says he the shield was the closest thing he had to left. Of, uh, to family and when he retired it it made him feel empty sam says bucky needs to stop looking for other people to tell him who he is and bucky is ha- still having the nightmares thinks it means part of the winter soldier is still in him sam says that he wasn't amending he was avenging and he needs to give these people closure which i'm guessing that the the next episode we're going to see him finally make right with uh mr was it nakajima I think yeah yeah from the first episode but it's a good heart to heart like you said this episode has a lot of good like heart to heart conversations um sam walks uh away holding the shield and i'm not sure about you brad but for the first time i think we finally see he has it in him to be captain america and it's not that if we didn't, you know, think that a black man couldn't be Captain America, we didn't think that he was capable of being black Captain America. It's just that, like, now I see the confidence that he believes he can be Captain America. And when he does that walk and that, like, strut, like, you could feel he's going to be Captain America. Yeah, he's got new determination in him, you know, to, yeah. to take up that mantle the right way. Yeah. Sam and Sarah have a sweet brother-sister conversation. She's proud of him for taking on the fight out there, but also the fight at home. Uh, Sam has this whole training montage. He's doing these, like, gymnastic moves in between boomerang throws. It's stuff that, uh, you know, it's his own variation of the, uh, you know, Captain America fighting. What, what do you think of that? It was a good montage. It was cool. It did make me wonder <laughs> what would what would happen to him though if he just like missed the shield ever so slightly if he would decapitate himself maybe because <laughs> like yeah. there, there, there's obviously plenty of times where he misses and ducks and gets out of the way just in time but like that could be super dangerous. Yeah. Well, you know what the the purpose of a montage is to get you pumped and I think this got me pumped so I think it succeeded in that respect. Carly got some help to even out the odds as she says it in the form of bat rock sam screwed him out of a fortune and he wants to get payback bat rock delivers a case of high-tech weapons and explosions and by the way i have confirmed that it's high-tech weapons and explosions with the with the uh audio description uh, audio description <laughs> yeah so if you're wondering what that was and it's not confirmed that's what it is um so okay let's get to the conversation i wanted to have earlier I still believe that Sharon might be the power broker at this point, but I wanted to ask you this, Brad, why, if Sharon is the power broker, why did she employ Batrock to do this? And why wouldn't Batrock just show up and kill Carly? Because as we know, in this whole season, power broker has been, it seems like power broker has been hunting Carly. Yeah. And her crew. That, like, and she even said in like one of the last episodes, like, I'll kill you if you don't give me the serum. Yeah, that's why I don't think she's the power broker, because it would be too easy to just dispatch with her right then and there. Uh, 
I she's obviously has something else in store, and I think that the reason she's using someone like Batrock is because it's it's a player that she can control. It's someone that she knows w- will have a dog in this fight because they want to take out Sam. But I think that she has other plans as far as like what's going to happen there when once that like confrontation finally takes place. Yeah. So, so what do you think Sharon wants with Batrock? Does she want him to kill Falcon? I mean, that's what it seems like. I don't think so, uh, because I mean, I'm not sure how that benefits her. Hmm. Um, because and that's, that seems a little too, I don't know, dark for her. Because I don't think she has anything against Falcon unless she's secretly super pissed off that she has been forced to go rogue because she, you know, teamed up with Captain Falcon in uh, Civil War. Well, if you think about that, really, like, they were kind of, you know, what is that, whitelisted? They were, you know, even Winter Soldier. Like, you know, they were all, like, you know, they're now working for the United States, and they're in the good graces of the United States, and she's, like, on the run still. Sure, sure. But but again, she had the opportunity to take them out in Madripoor several times, and she didn't. And and plus, Sam has promised to help her get uh, get her, you know, back in the U.S. and clear her name. So there's, I, I imagine there's something else going on, and whatever it is will likely be something that will lead us into a second season of the show. Yeah. The other thing that really I'm conflicted about with her being the power broker is she ended up killing that doctor, and that doctor was working for her. So why did she end up kill? You know, well, leading she, to the death well, of that. Well, well, she. I mean, sure, she she might not have intended that because it, I mean, it was yeah. Zemo who killed the doctor. So, well, she was also killing people that were like in pursuit. Weren't those her own people? Or no, cause those like, are, those are just assassins that are on Madripoor uh, who are trying to carry out the the bounty that was put out there. Okay, good point. Good point. Okay, um, let's move on. Carly's second command is not happy about working with a criminal. Uh, Carly activates the Flag Smashers people army via this app and declares that tonight they will go to battle. And we pull back to reveal that they are in a park in New York City. And this is where they're having a big vote about to happen for the big GRC pitch act that we heard about last week. Uh, This is an act that will move tons of refugees back to the country of their origins, kicking them out of the United States. Um and then uh, Sam gets alerted uh, that that's happening and power goes out at the GRC meeting. What, what do you make of this GRC meeting? I can't really understand. Like they seem like they're not good people. I mean, they just seem like a government body trying to do get things done, whether it's like the UN or Congress or whatever. And, you know, probably but the way they're talking about it is if it feels like not in the, I, I guess that's maybe politics yeah, in general, exactly. but it doesn't seem like it's in the benefit of people. It's like, how can we make this message so people, <laughs> how can we sell this message? Not like, how can we help people? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, who do you think? Uh, so you, do you think that they were responsible for the power going out? The flag smashers? Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's because yeah. I mean, you, there's uh, one of the people who comes in, he's, he's the one who like relieves the security guard that's there just before it happens, is one of the people that you can see in the park crowd. Um, oh, and so, I, miss, I missed that. Yeah, so it, it's clearly them taking that over, uh, and I assume they will be holding them for, for ransom or so, something like that. Yeah. So Sam opens the Wakandan case. This is a case that Bucky asked, if you saw at the end of that scene with Zemo, he asked them for a favor. He had one favor to ask. And I'm guessing this case is that favor. And we see Sam's look as he sees what's inside the case. We don't get to see it. And we cut to black. Now, you seem to think that in the case is the wings. It's new wings, right? Yeah, I would imagine that they are wings, a a wingsuit that is now made of vibranium. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. That makes sense because they have so much vibranium in Wakanda. And that would... uh, yeah, I mean that. In you know, Cap's shield is made out of vibranium. We see we see Falcon in the series using his wings as a shield. So yeah, I, this seems like a. And aside from you know, the wingsuit, I wouldn't be surprised if it's also an entirely new suit for him to wear in general. Yeah, 
And one thing I didn't notice in my first view view around, but you alerted me that there was a mid credit scene. And I actually did like fast forward to the credits and I totally missed this. It, maybe it just looked like it was part of the credits. So there's the scene where John Walker is almost Iron Man style, like building and welding together something that's revealed to be his own shield and incorporates his medals of honor into the into it. And he's painting it. I mean, it looks so much like Captain America's shield. I'm I'm sure that he's going to become a U.S. agent, but why does it look so much like Captain America's shield? Well, why wouldn't it be his own identity? Well, because he still thinks he's Captain America. He said it twice in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, uh, that is the end of the episode. Do you have anything else to say about this this episode before we get into speculation? Uh, not to do that thing where we start talking about stuff that uh, you know is just theorizing and probably going to happen and, and connects to the rest of the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. But I did find myself wondering... Hey, that stuff can be fun as long as you do not count on it. <laughs> you do not base your enjoyment on the future of the series based on the, the theory. Yeah, I... Um... I wondered since the uh, this thing with the GRC and the Flag Smashers is happening in New York, um, if there will be any sort of reference as to uh, what Spider Man is doing, like or like why Spider Man isn't there, or if we'll get an explanation later as to why Spider Man didn't hear about this, or even Doctor Strange, who also uh, is in New York. Um, so yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm curious if there if there will be any mention as to like you know why any other new york local superheroes didn't get involved uh you know in this skirmish i don't know the timeline of these things uh too yeah. bad we don't have sean on here but um maybe maybe peter parker was overseas or during... or in a, another dimension or in another dimension <laughs> uh yeah okay let's get to speculation uh, i'm not, actually to answer you Brad, I don't think they really. You really think they need to explain this? I feel like no, no, I don't think it's something they need to explain. But I, I, I mean, it's it's something I'm sure some people will, will wonder yeah. because I mean, New York is famously Spider-Man's home, and <laughs> as as is you know where Doctor Strange's sanctum is located. Yeah. So, but he could be in another. I don't know. He could be busy with something else. This doesn't seem like a, an Avengers level situation at this point. If if this was a thing where like aliens came out of the sky like they did in you know the events of the Battle of New York and Avengers one, then I would be like, okay, we're Spider Man. Do you know what I mean? Sure. But I I feel like this might be. You don't need to explain it. It's not, or at least this point at this point we don't know where this is going to escalate to, but at this point it doesn't seem like it. He needs to be there. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go into speculation. Um, I guess, you know, you've, you've read into Valentina more than I have because you wrote up an article on the site about her. What role do you think she's going to have in the last episode? Uh, I mean, like I said, I, th I think it would make sense if she, she's the one who turned out to be the power broker. Um, I, I also feel like I'm not sure if she will have a big role in the next episode, unless it's just to set up for something to happen next uh whatever larger plan she has she's trying to pull off um but yeah i think it partially depends on what happens with john walker since she was so interested uh in him if anything maybe we'll get a thing at the end where she you know calls upon john walker uh i i, I don't i don't know i mean it's the thunderbolts thing is it's it's coming becoming more of like a prominent thing down in my head because now I'm thinking about okay yeah Zemo is in the raft and where do you put someone like John Walker after you capture him if you don't kill him well you have to put him in the raft because he's a super soldier so yeah I don't I, I don't I don't know yeah I it doesn't seem to me like she's a character that is just being set up for this one final episode it seems to me like she would have a greater MCU role yeah but i don't know like like i said earlier is hydra back you know what kind of role could she fill i don't really know if, if you out there have some theories send it to me at peter at uh so yeah i talked about uh let's what i guess yeah what do you think is going to happen and we only have one episode left which is crazy to me because this 
doesn't seem like I know exactly how it's going to play out. It's the same thing happened with WandaVision. It ended up being very by the numbers. But what do you think is going to happen in the finale, Brad? Gosh, I mean, specifically, I, I don't know. I, I think that Carly uh, has to die, probably. You think she has to die? Because Zemo's arguing that they need to kill Carly. And uh, Bucky's kind of like, no, that's not how this needs to. Like, it seems like this whole series is leading to the point of, like, that's for him, for his arc, they need to not kill her. But I don't think that she'll die at the hands of Falcon and Bucky. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I think that her character has to die, but I think that she will have some kind of redemption before she's ultimately killed, probably by somebody else. Um, as to who that is, uh, I don't necessarily know. Um, I think that, it, in, I mean, there's obviously intentionally so much mystery surrounding what's going to happen at the end, and, you know, a lot of threads dangling with Sharon and... Uh, valentina and all this stuff so um i yeah i i really don't know I'm, I'm not entirely sure where where this is heading and as far as like what kind of finale it gives us that sets that will set us up beyond what it is we've already talked about yeah it's also interesting because i know the showrunner and some people involved have talked about how the season was changed after the pandemic because originally carly and the flag smashers we saw them, they took control of some chemical or some biological weapons. And I think that was going to play into the story more than it is in this final cut of the season. And, you know, it, it, I'm I'm thinking back and I'm wondering, like, I'm trying to piece together how everything would have went. Like there was that mother figure that died. Like maybe she didn't die because of, what was it some kind of illness no i guess it makes more sense for her to die because of the illness that was you know something that was ravaging these camps i don't know okay i i really have no uh no end to this train of thought but i'm just curious what what more was probably in carly's storyline before this pandemic because it seems like they definitely changed some stuff I where do I see this finale going? I mean, obviously, you know, U.S. Agent is going to, or you know, uh, John Walker is going to have to be apprehended, or maybe is there any way he becomes a hero in this final episode? Uh, doubtful. That's not to say doubtful. that that can't happen later, but yeah. I don't think it's going to happen at the end of this episode. Or... Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and flag, flag smashers have to be apprehended. I don't think we're going to get an end to this GRC thing. I don't think there's a way to end it in this final episode. So I wonder how they're going to follow up with that in later Marvel movies. But I guess, we'll, you know, we'll wait until next week to find out. Uh, do you think we will see Falcon become Captain America? I think we will. Yeah, I think it's a foregone conclusion that by the end of this, he ha he has to become Captain America. We'll see him in his new suit and everything, and that yeah, and that will be that. Yeah, I think somewhere online, someone was uh, there was this, like Twitter thread about the the costumes of the show, and one one of the observations was that uh, John Walker's Captain America takes the white out of the the costume, which uh, you know white usually represents purity and all these other things. And I I know that the Falcon version of Winter so uh, of uh of Captain America, his suit has a lot of white in it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's where we're headed to. Maybe these wings are white. <laughs> um, One could argue that John Walker puts enough white into that Captain America costume that the suit <laughs> doesn't even need it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I guess you know we've talked a lot in this podcast about how this show is about Falcon becoming Captain America, but who does Bucky become? Um, I think that that's probably a question that will can continue to be explored in, you know, another season or part of me actually thought it, um, that Bucky could get his own series because I, I found it interesting that Zemo mentioned, uh, didn't, didn't he say that there were specifically like, 12 names in there of people that like he that were still on his list and yeah and with yeah. and with and with sam saying that he needed to start making amends 
with people you know i wonder if like if he could have his own series that where he did that or maybe it'll just be part of another another <laughs> it's season the amen series yeah just you know, uh... bucky bucky goes around in each episode is him making amends with somebody i don't know i mean i, th- I definitely think we're gonna see uh the guy from the first episode and next episode with him making amends with him yeah absolutely um uh but who will he choose will he choose uh his daughter or or sam's sister that's the question <laughs> okay uh uh wyatt russell was asked in an interview this last week i forget which what outlet but he was asked if he had ever met chris evans and he gave this whole answer about how uh, i think he, he said that he had been in the same room with chris evans it's uh, he doesn't think he shook hands with them it made it sound like it was like an old premiere. But then at the end of his answer, he said something like, because the, the question was like, well, we see that in the series, you and Chris Evans on the screen. And the end of his answer, he ended it with like, you'll have to wait to see by the end of the series or something, something like that. And a lot of outlets are running with this and they're like, Wyatt Russell is teasing that Chris Evans is going to be in the Falcon and Winter Soldier, the finale of it. And I want to tell everybody, don't get your hopes up. As someone who, who, who who's had knowledge about things in the show, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not, not, not swaying anything, not whatever, but I, I do think these Disney guys or, to, or these Marvel guys are told by Disney, you know, ne- to not answer. Like you're never supposed to, spoil anything so i think wyatt is just going on on that yeah. line yeah i think it's just, i think it's just a general you'll just have to wait and see what happens you know kind of thing and re- yeah. like regardless of what how, what question led into it it's just unfortunate because i feel like these actors are put in these bad situations with i mean who asked that question like i would never ask that question like are you are we going to see you in <laughs> captain america on screen in the series like I don't know. And do you really expect him to answer that question? And you're putting an actor in a, in a bad situation and they have to kind of scramble in their mind. And I'm not saying, you know, Wyatt Russell is a great actor. I'm not saying he's, you know, he seems like a very smart guy. I don't think he understood the implications of him saying that and how fans were going to run with it. (laughs) But, uh, but that's the world we live in. So, uh, what do you think? Do we think? Do you think we're going to see Chris Evans in the finale? I mean, we had that conversation about like, um, there wasn't there some kind of like secret thing that was filmed? Yeah, and apparently that was yeah. I, uh, I assume Julia Louise Dreyfus. Yeah, that's what I assumed. So that, if that were the opportunity where it would where it would have happened, and so I yeah, knowing that I don't think that there's an opportunity for it, and I feel like. If, if they would have brought Steve Rogers back to have, like, one more heart-to-heart with Sam, it would have underscored the last meeting they had at the end of Avengers Endgame. Like, there's there's not really anything more that Steve Rogers can say that would be any more impactful than him leaving Sam the shield and saying, you know, and telling him that, you know, it it belongs to him now, essentially. So I, I feel like we, we just, you just don't need that, you know? Like, it's, yeah. you, it's this has to be you know, Sam and Bucky's story, and you you don't want to underscore that by bringing Steve Rogers back. But even if he did show up, why why would he show up in a scene with Wyatt Russell and not a scene? Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't with. Yeah. Yeah. So, OK. Uh, do you have any other speculation about because this is the last time we talked before the finale of the season, the series hits next week. Do you have anything else to say, Brad? I don't. No, we we've, we've pretty much covered it, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how this how this one comes to a close, and and then even more excited to begin our breakdowns when Loki comes around. Oh yeah, Loki looks so good, and it looks so different than this. I don't know. I, I'm liking how Marvel is making these things that don't seem so into the Marvel. I mean, this one it does fit the Marvel kind of movie formula a little bit more, but this compared to WandaVision, compared to Loki, it just feel so different they feel so different from each other so okay you can find more of all of our work at slash from the com you can find this podcast on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter at slash from the com and please if you like these episodes if you like this podcast please head over to our apple podcast page there's a link in the show notes and write us like a sentence telling us what you what you like what you love, give us five stars. That helps more people find this podcast. Uh, thanks to everybody 
for spreading the word. We'll see you on Monday. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.